Our scripture reading for this morning is taken from the prophet Hosea, the 11th chapter, beginning at the first verse. I will be reading from the Common English Bible version. Listen for God's holy word. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. But the more I called them, the further they went from me. They kept sacrificing to the balls, and they burned incense to idols. Yet, it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with bands of human kindness and with cords of love. I treated them like those who lift up infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. They will return to the land of Egypt and Assyria will be their king because they have refused to return to me. The sword will strike wildly in their cities. It will consume the bars of their gates and will take everything because of their schemes. My people are bent on turning away from me. And though they cry out to the Most High, he will not raise them up. But how can I give up on you, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart winces within me. My compassion grows tender. I won't act on the heat of my anger. I won't return to destroy Ephraim. For I am God and not a human being, the Holy One in your midst. I won't come to harsh judgments. They will walk after the Lord who roars like a lion. And when God roars, God's children will come trembling, trembling from the west, they will come trembling like a bird and like a dove from the land of Assyria, and I will return them to their homes, says the Lord. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Well, if you want to know the deep heart and character of our God, Hosea has just pulled back the curtain and given us a glimpse. Any one of us who is a well-seasoned parent can deeply resonate with this poignant portrait Hosea paints of God as mother or father. Caring for us so deeply, from our burning cry to our last breath, through both the tender and the treacherous times. At the core, 
This is the consistent depiction of God throughout all of scripture. This story was first told in Genesis and repeated countless times throughout the pages of the Bible. God loves us completely, entirely. God creates us, delivers us, and tends us. And the more God pursues us, the more we seem to walk away. It's a story of our wandering, being lost, and God finding us over and over and over again. It is the story of God's unrelenting grace. And Hosea doesn't just tell us this, Hosea shows us. And what he shows us are the portraits of love whose beginnings we cannot remember and whose end echoes with the roar of transforming power. Hosea walks us down that long corridor, that hallway of communal memory, and he points out specific pictures hanging on the wall. Here is the photo library of our life with God. Snapshots in time revealing the maturing and strengthening love over time. Do you have such a hallway in your home with family photos capturing those precious, priceless moments and even perhaps the painful moments? Hosea suggests that God's love for Israel and by extension, God's love for all of us as an infant is like a mother's love. Bending over her baby's crib, lifting her son with his Gerber baby face and chubby body up to her face, smelling the sweet smell of the baby's breath and caressing his downy hair. She studies his every movement and adores every inch of him. She loves him completely. And not just because he's beautiful, and of course he is, but because he's hers. She made him. There are no adequate words to capture a mother's or father's love for a child that is dearly wanted. Their whole being leans inward toward the child, aware of their infant's vulnerability and complete dependency upon them, they pledge everything that they have to the nurture, care, and safety of their child. They would literally give up everything for their child. Parenting is sacrificial love. We take another step down the hallway of memories, and we pause at the next portrait. Here the mother or father is teaching their toddler to walk. The next picture is an isolated moment, but it conjures up an emerging relationship 
The child is learning to trust the parent through the many falls. We can almost hear the mother's voice, that's it. Come on, sweetie, you've got it. Come to mama. She coos with delight. He waddles like a drunken sailor, face fixated on hers, ice sparkling with the new discovery of his ability and freedom and with an affection that reflects her own. She wipes away the tears and tends the little hurts from the many falls. He won't remember this, but she will never forget. Hosea is trying to show us the truth of our relationship with God. Things we cannot remember. God is that mother, that father. Hosea reminds us that we were once that innocent baby, that toddler who depended on God for everything. Yet, as we continue walking down the hallway of memories, we get to those treacherous years, the teens and the twenties, and we almost want to look away. The pictures are no longer merely sentimental and bright colored. They are black and white photos full of gray, full of doubt, confusion, anger, searching. There are pictures of temper tantrums, broken promises, lies and deception, misplaced trust, even hatred and self-loathing. We are those children who were unconditionally loved from the moment we breathed our first breath. We were nurtured and cared for and taught right from wrong, but we have turned away and we have strayed down dangerous paths. God is like that vigilant father in one of my most favorite stories in scripture, the beloved parable of the prodigal son. God stands never giving up on the wayward son, waiting eagerly for his homecoming. God stands at the doorway in anguish, calling after the son as he leaves home. We have been that son. We have broken God's heart. Now, I don't know how anyone can be a parent without getting their heart broken, probably multiple times. Love is a sort of suffering. It's a deep emotional vulnerability. It's like having your heart walking outside your body. I need to pause here for a pastoral moment. I realize this metaphor of God as parent and we as children is riveting. It's evocative. And it can't help but stir up our own associations, both as children and as parents. I have to acknowledge this. I imagine 
there might be a father or a mother in this sanctuary today whose child isn't speaking to you currently or has left home on bad terms and the unimaginable anxiety and sorrow this is for you to bear. Even worse, are you parents who have lost children due to illness, addiction, or suicide? There are no words. This is an unspeakable grief. For others of you, perhaps you have had to cut off your relationship with your own father or mother because of abuse or toxicity. And this alienation is excruciating. The parent-child relationship is complicated and it's often fraught with conflict and tumultuous emotions. And then there's the anguishing guilt of an unwanted pregnancy or the profound loss that comes from infertility or no success with adoption. I know very well that there are difficult and painful truths about our familial relationships. And there is no room here for judgment, only compassion and nothing short of the unrelenting grace of God, our eternal mother and father, if we are ever to heal from our many wounds. Now here's the good news. We have such a God. This is the God that Hosea reveals. Now having said this, let us return to our journey with God down the hallway of many memories. We left off with the now older child leaving God and God lamenting, saying, they shall return to the land of Egypt and Assyria shall be their king because they have refused to return to me. God can barely watch God's beloved, who God has already liberated, now ignorantly returning to enslavement. It would be so easy for us to hop on that bandwagon of aggrieved parents watching the naive but ever so dangerous blunders of youth, watching our adolescent, teen, college and beyond children seeming to walk away from what we know is good for them and seeming to choose a sort of bondage, if you will, their Egypt. Smartphones that make them less intelligent. Social media that makes them feel left out. Drugs that can make them unwell, even addicted. Many of us can relate to the desire to protect and to save and yell out, no! You are making a mistake. That is so dangerous, what you think is freedom will enslave you. It is so easy for us to want to point the finger at the messes of teens and young adults who have seemingly walked away from God, from home, from church, and are now bowing down to false idols. Not so fast. The spiritual pilgrimage of growing up in identity, 
in worldview, in faith, necessarily involves leaving home and leaving church and leaving blind obedience to parroted dogmas to find one's own way, one's authentic voice, one's own truth. And not only for Gen Xers, millennials, and Gen Zers, but for all of us in different seasons of life. If our faith is to truly mature and stand up to life's ambiguities, seductions, and disturbing social and environmental concerns, we too just may need to wander far and wide for answers. And this search just may lead us outside the walls of the church. Theologian and Episcopal priest Barbara Brown Taylor in her book, Leaving Church says, I realized that in order to keep my faith, I may have to leave church. As she becomes part of the flock instead of the shepherd, she describes her poignant and sincere struggle to regain her footing in the world without her defining collar. She realizes that this may in fact be God's surprising path for her, which leads her to a refreshing search to find God in new places. Why are so many young people leaving church? Perhaps they have felt that the church has left them left them with so many vexing problems, left them to such a troubled world without adequate answers, without the church's willingness to sincerely engage in their reality and to listen to their concerns. Two weeks ago, I saw Leonard Bernstein's mass performed at Ravinia. It is a very provocative musical drama about a Catholic priest and his congregation's faith crisis. As the story of the Mass unfolds, members of the congregation find themselves in an existential quandary, wondering how they can believe in and coexist with a God and a world that are seemingly blind to their plights. They address their social issues in the forms of letters. Ravinia recognized the use of such letters as an opportunity to reach out to students of Ravinia's Reach, Teach, Play education program. The kids were charged to write letters of their own to share what's on the minds of today's young people as they look at the issues facing our world, country, community, school, or family. Listen to excerpts from merely a handful of letters, letters to God, if you will, that need to be addressed if such children will feel a sense of belonging in the church. They write, one thing that makes me unhappy about my world is that people throw trash in the ocean. So the animals in the oceans are eating it and dying. Alejandro, third grade. One thing that is unfair is that people in Africa don't have a lot of water and it's not fair because we get water every day and they don't. 
They have to stand in long lines for clean water and wait for hours. We need to share our ideas and make their life easier by making them a pump so that they can get clean water easier. Ellie, third grade. I live in Chicago where I see homeless people. It makes me so sad because they don't have a home. Junilla, age eight. In my community, there is a problem of killings and shootings. Police are killing black people. I have never seen a white person get shot by the police. Some white people run from the police, but as soon as a black person runs, they get shot in the back. The shootings need to stop so kids can grow up. All the killing and gang banging needs to end. Charles, age 14. Drug use is a problem for me and my community. I see kids that are 12 to 17 years old doing them. Damien, age 13. Mental problems and suicide is a serious issue. People fail to realize our society's suicide rate has increased and we can't blame others. We should work together as a community and make sure our loved ones are okay on the inside and out. I want mental awareness to be given attention because it's a big deal. Zachariah, age 14. Many women in our country don't have any power and recognition for who they are. Women should have the right to succeed by who they are and what they are known for, just the same as men. Montserrat, seventh grade. One thing that is going on in the world that makes me unhappy is immigration. Something that we can do to make this better is put ourselves in other people's shoes because we just might not know what they're going through. What I can do is to be well aware of what's going on. Vanessa, seventh grade. One thing that makes me unhappy is that people don't like me. And they all talk behind my back, but they never say anything in person. People can most definitely come and confront me if they have a problem with me. I can't really do anything about it because it's their problem if they don't like me. And if they don't want to like me, they don't have to. But they can stop talking about me. And they can stop getting scared when I confront them. They act like they said nothing. Samantha, eighth grade. This is the reality of our children and our grandchildren's world. Full of complex concerns and heartaches. Full of dangers and temptations. Of course there are things that seduce our children away from God. Of course our kids have legitimate questions for God that deserve thoughtful and caring responses from the church. We should not be quick to judge the Gen Xers, Millennials, Gen Zers as nuns that are duns so wayward as to never wander home again. We should not expect our kids to quickly come back 
to what might be perceived as inadequate and not relevant. Rather, we who are still faithfully committed to the church must stretch. We must go to them and listen. Listen, listen to what they are saying. We must make room to them on the pew next to them with their messy problems, brilliant creativity, stunning imaginations, self-expression, and social concerns that course through their veins and are so beyond skim deep that only a tattoo will do. Let us remember, a child just may lead us to a new day, a more expansive and inclusive church. After God's children have seemingly abandoned God, God says, how can I give up on you? My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute fierce anger, but fierce love. Love that will never give up on you. Hosea says, and they will go after the Lord who roars like a lion. When God roars, God's children will come trembling home. Friends, the world sometimes feels like a jungle. How befitting that God transforms into a lion. Like C.S. Lewis's Aslan, that lion Christ figure in the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, who roars with a fierce love, roars loud enough, powerfully enough to rescue God's children again and again and again from the snares of the jungle, from all that threatens to enslave. We have heard the sound of it before, reverberating from Golgotha, and again on the third day. It roars even now over all that is ruined and over all of those who have done the ruining. To hear it and feel the veracity of God's love summoning all of God's children home is to have more than enough reason to tremble in awe. Amen.